We will be starting a new series next week, so we're not fully stuck in this holiday rut. Uh, normally at the beginning, you know, normally when I, when I prepare a message, there's typically we're working towards something I want you to do. I want you to take God's word and apply it to your life and take some action. I really hope you don't come in and out of church week in and week out and just take the information and walk away thinking, well, now I know something I didn't know before. No, the, the whole point of interacting with God's word, especially in the context which we're doing on Sunday morning, is I want you to take God's word, apply it to your life, and do something with it. Except for this morning. I, I don't really want you to do anything with it. As a matter of fact, I'm afraid that you're going to take the message this morning and do something with it. Uh, I, I don't want you to do that. Hear me on the front end. I probably need to say this. I can't give you enough disclaimers for this. Because I know that many of you all are kind of like, I'm trying to remember that Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie about a family that's got this cousin who shows up in a camper. And Clark says he really wants his boss to be drug out of his warm home in his pajamas with a big red bow on him so he can tell him what a lousy guy he is. And what does Eddie do? Oh. <gasps> and he runs off, and he goes and he kidnaps the guy. You know what I'm talking about here? I'm not saying all of you are like this, but I know at least some of you are like this, and you'll hear something, and without really thinking it through, you'll go off and do something as dumb as that, right? You know, because you're, what did he say, like his heart's bigger than his brain? Well, thank you, Clark. Uh, for some of you, your, your desire to be Christ-like is bigger than your brain, and so you'll go off and do something that is misapplying God's word in a harmful way. So, once again, are we going to do anything with this morning's message? No, we're not going to do anything with it. Say, so then why are you giving it? Because I want to begin a conversation with you. Uh, I want you to begin to think about this. I want you to explore it uh, further before you do anything with it, okay? So is that enough disclaimer? So what are we talking about? Well, uh, we've been showing you clips from this uh, movie, Four Christmases. There's some language in it, and there's, but there's a lot of dysfunction. And if you've seen any of the past two weeks, you've seen some clips of what it's like of just one of the four families they go visit. So you've got a situation where a husband and wife are married, both of their parents are divorced, and so if you've ever done the divorced child thing where you spend Christmas with mom in the morning and then Christmas with dad in the afternoon, well then when you get married, you end up going with, to four different houses on Christmas. Well, that's what they're having to do. And they don't want to do it. For years, they've been avoiding doing it. And if you've been with us the past couple of weeks, you've seen what just one of those houses looked like. Quite a good reason to avoid having to go there, right? Now, I won't say that I agree with the idea of lying to your family about it, but if you've been at any of the last two weeks, would you say it's a fair assumption to say that it's probably not a good idea to go to visit that family? Is it unchristian to not visit family for the holidays? No, no, it's not. That's, that's something you kind of need to know. It's, 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 it's not. Now, once again, I'm not trying to get you to cancel your Christmas plans. I'm just trying to give you some We're not running out and making decisions right now. We're just beginning to think about some things. Uh, because there are such things as toxic people. And what I want to talk this morning about is toxic relationships. Now, uh, the toxic relationships what I'm speaking about are in your immediate family, your extended family, or perhaps somebody you work with, because those are really the only toxic relationships you really have to deal with, because toxic relationships outside of that, you don't deal with. If you deal with somebody who's toxic and they're a waiter at a restaurant, you just don't go back, right? You're like, I'm never going there again. But there's some situations where you wonder, can I really do that in this situation? Can I just say I'm not going back to parents' house? Can I really just not go back to work there? So you have to figure out, what do I do when I'm stuck in a 
situation, in a relationship with a toxic person. So first, let's talk about what are we talking about when we talk about a toxic person. Now, every one of us does toxic things. Every one of us is capable of responding in a toxic manner. Can we agree on that? Some of you agree with that? No. Every one of us can do things that are toxic, right? Every one of us in certain situations will exhibit toxic behavior. There's a difference between exhibiting toxic behavior and being a toxic person. Um, Toxic people are people that aren't just hard to get along with. They aren't just difficult to get along with. They're impossible to get along with. Uh, they will mix up being aggressive and passive-aggressive. Sometimes they will come right at you with, with both barrels blazing, yelling and screaming and name-calling. Sometimes it is just all about the emotional guilt trips and the emotional manipulation as well. I just thought maybe that since your father and I helped you purchase that home, you would invite us there for Christmas this year. Uh, uh, so they'll use words of threat or malice to control your behavior. Controlling behavior is a big thing. Uh, they will weaponize guilt and shame and discouragement uh, to their favor, of course. Uh, they use people, not just some people, but everybody, even people they say they love. Uh, their loving relationships are defined by a user relationship. I want to get whatever I can extract out of you for my own purposes because... They don't just think that the world revolves around them. They fully expect that you will revolve around them. There's a different lot. Every one of us has issues with selfishness. And part of selfishness means I want the world to revolve around me. Like, for instance, on Thanksgiving, it is a day for two things. It is the most manly holiday there has ever been created in the whole wide world, from my own opinion. It is sports and food. That is the day, right? In church, we say amen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't want to watch a parade. Oh, oh, no, 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 I don't want to watch a parade, okay? Especially not when the World Cup is on. It's not just a regional cup. It's not a state cup. It's not a national cup. This is the World Cup. Everybody in the world's watching this, and you want to watch a parade? You want to watch them drag out a bunch of balloons and walk up and down the street and do some musicals? And That's why I'm not married to any of y'all. No, but my point is, we all want the world to revolve around us, and I want to watch what I want to watch, and I want everybody else in the family to want to watch what I want to watch, okay? Now, a toxic person, though, will fully expect that everybody will want to do what they want to do all the time. And if you don't do what they want to do, you know there's consequences, right? There is hell to pay if we don't do what this person wants to do. And that's why you dread spending time with them because they think the world revolves around them and they fully expect you to revolve around them all the time, every day, all the time. Um, One hour with them may very well require you a week to recover. That's who we're talking about here. If you have to spend a full weekend with them or a whole week with them, that may require a month or more of recovery time or counseling or resetting uh, of your own sanity. This is a person who makes it difficult for you to maintain good relationships, not just with them, but with other people, right? So it's not just that you have a difficult time relating to your mom. You now have a difficult time relating to your wife because of your mom, 
That's what toxic people do. They don't just affect your relationship with them, they affect other relationships that you have with healthy people because of how you try to relate with them. Uh, they make you question your sanity because they're always redefining truth. They're always switching things around. They're always flipping things upside down and they will pick a fight with you and then look at you and say, why are you yelling at me? Am I going crazy? I, I'm, I'm not even yelling. I don't even want to be in an argument. I walked in and you started it. And then they get you to question your memory. No, you came in here yelling at me. What? I was just eating a pizza. That's all I was. You, you question your sanity. You question your memory. Uh, you question reality. You don't even know what is anymore. Like, I, don't, I don't know where, where am I? They make you question your Christianity because they're always questioning your Christianity, right? I, I thought you were a Christian. It doesn't sound very Christian for you to act like that. And so you begin to wonder, well, maybe I'm not acting very Christ. Would, Christ, would, Jesus, would Jesus do that? And they, they quote the scriptures a lot. There's two scriptures they, they, they know by heart. Uh, don't judge and, and forgive. They don't know where they are in the Bible. They just know they're in there, right? And, they, and, and so it typically works out like this. They want you to come for Christmas. You don't want to come for Christmas. Why? Because of what's happened last Christmas and the Christmas before that and the Christmas before that and every other Christmas you've ever had experience with them. And you say, you know, I don't think that's a good idea based on what's happened in the past. I thought you were Christian. Can't you just forgive? I thought Christians were supposed to forgive, right? And then you say, well, it's not just about forgiving. It's this behavior is not healthy. You're just so judgmental, right? I thought Christians weren't supposed to judge. You don't sound very Christian. That's not very Christ-like. Now, just pause for a minute. Assuming you're healthy and well-adjusted. How many times, <laughs> I know that's an assumption. Um, how many times have you looked at somebody else and called their behavior unchristlike or ungodly? Now, of the times where you've said that, how many of those times were for your own benefit that you've said that to somebody? How many times was it about you in particular, or was it about how they were treating somebody else? In other words, in a good, healthy, spiritual friendship, there'll be multiple times where you look at somebody and say, hey man, that wasn't right. You know that wasn't right. You should not have said that to her, right? I have those conversations all the time. I know I'm a pastor. I have more than most people, but with close friends, I have, I have them from time to time. It's like, hey, come on, man. You know, you, know you, you know that wasn't right, right? But most of the time I'm having that conversation, it's about their interaction with somebody else. Very rarely do I look at somebody and say, well, you're not acting like Jesus to me. Who does that, right? <laughs> Second of all, next, next question is this. How often does this person seem to embody the spirit of Christ and understanding of Christ and biblical knowledge in their own life such that you would say, you know, if there's anybody who knows Jesus inside and out, it's them. And when they say, I'm not acting Christ-like, clearly it must have, weight, have some weight to it because they're so Christ-like themselves, right? And then lastly, how likely are you to go to them for spiritual advice? And yet, their accusation of you, telling you that you're not very Christian or not very Christ-like, somehow still stings. Why? You wouldn't go to them for advice. You wouldn't go to them and say, hey, you know, I'm st struggling with some stuff in my own marriage. Could you tell me, like, what can I do to be more Christ-like in this situation? You'd never go to them and ask them for this. But yet, toxic people are willing to inject their own version of Christianity into your life when, here's the thing, serves their purposes. Whenever it gets you to do what they want you to do. Uh, and that's what toxic people do. Um, 
oh, and lastly, they will never admit they're ever wrong. Uh, that's how they're toxic people. Never admit, and if they do, you're instantly supposed to forgive and act like as if it never even happened. Uh, they will use guilt trips, emotional shaming, slander, and of course, gaslighting. Gaslighting is what makes you feel like you're crazy. Gaslighting is where somebody takes what happened and then they redefine what happened so that you're to blame. And that's that whole thing where they come in and they start an argument with you and then they tell you that you're the one who was being argumentative. And you're like, I, I, I was, I, did, was I? Maybe I was. And that's, the, and that's the crazy thing. An emotionally sane person will assume that there's validity to that because you take every accusation seriously. And so you go, well, maybe I was, I'm sorry. But over time, you begin to go crazy because you're jumping into this world where nothing makes sense to anybody else in the world except for the toxic person. Now, you may think to yourself, it sounds like as if you were, I don't know, being kind of judgmental and name-calling here. There's a difference between labeling and name-calling, okay? Uh, name-calling is where you go to somebody, well, you're just a toxic person, I'm not spending Christmas with you. You don't do that. That's not what this is all about. If you want to call somebody toxic, that's a pretty good indication that you are toxic, okay? Because toxic people love name-calling. Labeling, though, is more about understanding the relationship that you're in. Uh, na- uh, labeling is where you say, okay, when I begin to understand that I'm in a relationship with a toxic person, it helps me set my expectations correctly, uh, which I'm going to talk about why. It also helps me um, understand the difficulties that I'm having in this situation and readjust the strategies that I will use to interact with this person. That's what it's about. It's all about me. It's, it's about, when I look at somebody and say, I believe I'm in a relationship with a toxic person, I don't ever tell that person, you're toxic, okay? That's, that's not what you do. Rather, it's about me understanding, okay, this is the situation I'm in. I need to adjust my expectations. I need to adjust my behaviors, and I need to uh, adjust how I interact with this person and what I can expect out of it and adjust my own sanity with it too. Now, a little side thing. Did Jesus ever deal with toxic people? Well, yes. Uh, listen to this one. John chapter 7. Um, Jesus looks at him and he goes, why are you guys looking for an opportunity to kill me? And the crowd answered, well, you have a demon, that's why. And we're not trying to kill you. Who's trying to kill you? Now, I wish in this moment they would be as honest as Dr. Evil and just go, yeah, you're quite astute there, Jesus. We really are trying to kill you, right? You remember that little counseling scene, right? He's a boy's quite astute. I really am trying to kill him. That's a horrible Dr. Evil accent, but you get the idea. Um, So they say, we're not, what do you mean? We're not trying to kill you. If you read the Bible, they were trying to kill him. As a matter of fact, later in that chapter, they tried to arrest him to kill him. Multiple times they tried to kill him. However, he doesn't allow them to arrest him until later on, right? Multiple times they go after him. So they lie about what they're trying to do. And by the way, toxic people, they really are trying to kill you. Now, not by stoning, but let's face it, they will lob jab after jab after jab after verbal assault after verbal assault at you until it wears you down until there's literally nothing left of you. Is that, is that a fair statement? That's what toxic people do. They will wear you down. By the way, you ever read the, the book, The Giving Tree? You realize the kid's toxic, right? What was the nature of that relationship? He took, he took, he took, he took, he took until there was nothing left but a little old stump. That's exactly what a toxic person will do to you. They will take and 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 take until there's nothing left of you. And what do they do at the very end of the book? He just sits on you. That's how the book ends, right? Anyways, maybe you all get that idea. Um, and then here, think about this. 
the whole label of you're not acting very Christian, you realize that's what they just called Jesus here, right? However, Christian wasn't a thing because he was the Christ. Um, so what did they say? They said that he is God of very gods, right? He is God. He's God himself. And what did they say? How did they label God? They said God was a demon. Did you get that? They just told Jesus he wasn't godly. Now, if Jesus is going to be told by somebody that he's not godly, is there a chance that no matter how Christ-like you're acting, somebody might call you ungodly or unchristlike? I think that's a fair, fair assessment. Yeah. Um, so what do we do? What, what, why do we want to recognize this? Um, well, if you try to have a functional, healthy relationship with a toxic person, you will go crazy. You will go crazy because it is impossible to have a healthy relationship, a healthy, non-difficult relationship with a toxic person. You need to know that. And here's where, where, why you'll go crazy. Because we all have this sense, we try to understand people by thinking to ourselves this question. Well, I know if I were in this situation, I wouldn't do that. Or, let's see, let me try to get inside our mind and think why she would be doing this. Okay, there's why she's doing it. Do you realize how ridiculous this is? It's so, let me give you an absurd example when we do this. Anybody ever had somebody, maybe you do this yourself, say, don't talk like that to the dog. You hurt his feelings. Really? Really? Because a dog acts like a five-year-old human being right there. He understood every word that you said, and he's moping around the house. Really? That's, that's, that's the way a dog responds. And you know this because you think like a dog. I mean, how ridiculous is that, right? The problem is we assume other people think like we think. We assume other people will respond like we would respond. And so what makes you go crazy is you have this idea that if I just knew enough or had the right technique or had the right amount of patience, or the right amount of Christ-likeness, it would change the outcome of my interaction with them, right? And of course, that worked with Jesus all the time, right? Remember all those Pharisees are always on him, and because he was so Christ-like towards them, he won them over. Remember that? No, I don't either. I don't either. I think they all still tried to kill him, right? Uh, I think it was Nicodemus who came in and you know, tried to you know, ask a few questions. Uh, and then there was Joseph of Arimathea who also uh, wanted to have a different relationship with him. But the rest of them, they all still tried to kill him. They, they never changed where they were at to begin with, right? No matter how Christ-like he was towards them. And so this idea that there's some magical combination of technique and grace and love that I can use so that this time will be different doesn't actually work. And it will drive you crazy thinking it. And here's what really drives you crazy. Every once in a while, you pick the lock. Every once in a while, you get it right. Every once in a while, you have an interaction that didn't leave you feel used, right? And you think, there really is a solution to this. In the same way that a healthy person will exhibit toxic behavior from time to time, even toxic people will have a good afternoon and not be toxic. And all of a sudden, you'll, they'll blow up and you go, this, this was a little too far, and if this is what's going to happen, we, we can't stay. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're right. I really blew up. And you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, if I just remain calm and just call things out, they, they respond. Okay, I'm going to do that next time. And it never works ever again from that point forward, right? <laughs> and it will drive you crazy thinking there's a solution out there to the situation you're in. So, um, so you'll try to be a better Christian. Uh, you'll try to find some extra technique. Um, you'll try to find some good. Here, here's the thing. You'll go and you'll get some, some advice for how to deal with the relationship, but it doesn't work. And here's, here's another little thing you need to know. Here's why, here's why you need to understand that you're in a toxic situation. Because 
good relational advice that works for a healthy relationship is actually bad advice for a toxic relationship. Let me say that again. Good advice for a healthy relationship is actually bad advice for a toxic relationship, right? Because with a healthy person, having a conversation works. With a healthy person, showing a little grace goes a long way. Uh, showing love goes a long way. You know, when you're in a relationship with a healthy person, they blow up and they lose their temper, and you just go, are you done yet? I'm going to give you some time to calm down. We'll come back and talk about this later. I don't deserve to be treated like that. And they go, oh, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's good advice, right? Remain calm, give them time to cool off, go back and confront. How does that going to work with a toxic person? You remain calm, they just explode more. You try to give them some space, they chase after you. You come back and confront them, both barrels are blazing. You're the bad guy, you're the wrong one. They go and they trash your name to everybody else in the family because you're the one causing problems, right? Good advice for a healthy relationship is typically bad advice for a toxic relationship. Now, uh, understanding you're in a toxic relationship helps you reset your expectations. Expectation number one you have to understand is it is impossible to have a healthy, non-difficult relationship with a toxic person. It is impossible to have a healthy, non-difficult relationship with a toxic person. Once again, go back to Jesus. How many healthy interactions did he have with Pharisees? Other than Nicodemus, none. They, they constantly called him demon-possessed. They constantly ridiculed him. They constantly you know, uh, went after him again and again and again. It is impossible to have a healthy relationship with a uh, toxic person. Um, appealing to reason and good manners does not work. Like, you'll go through your mind and say, you know, all right, what can I do to get a different outcome? And you'll go through some sort of logical, reasonable thing. Well, you know, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be sweet. Uh, I'm going to be caring. I'm going to be sensitive. I'll, I'll think about their need. Kindness, good manners, and reason does not work with a toxic person. Um, I have to reset my expectations. I can't change a toxic person. Uh, I, uh, I can't control the damage this toxic person will do to other people. And some of you over Christmas break, you're going to walk around with a fire extinguisher behind the toxic person going, you know, trying to put out every single fire they start, right? Oh, oh, oh so I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They, they didn't mean it. They didn't mean it. I'm sorry, honey. We'll, 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 we'll figure this out. Okay, no, no, you don't have to go tonight. Uh, I'll just go. You, you can stay here. Oh, oh, no, no, no. They didn't mean that. Can we just, just, let's just give them some space. Let's just all come. What are you doing? You cannot control the damage a toxic person is going to do to everybody else, Right? That's why sometimes you just can't be there. Um, you can't understand a toxic person. Um, you can't fix a toxic person. All right, Steve, so, so what do I do? Um, well, you have to develop a strategy uh, to protect your sanity and not blame yourself for the results of their toxic behavior. You have to develop a strategy to protect your sanity and not blame yourself for their toxic behavior because they will pull you in and they will blame you for the outcome, right? Toxic people will blame you for the outcome because they never take responsibility for an outcome. And so they will blame you. They will get you to think that you did something wrong and that you caused this. You need to protect your sanity and not blame yourself for the outcome. Um, here's a big one. You have to know the truth and speak the truth without letting them redefine the truth and knowing full well that when you speak the truth, they won't hear the truth. Let me begin this. You have to know the truth, okay? What toxic people do is they will reorient truth. They will redefine truth. They will flip truth upside down. Going back to the original thing. I'm sitting there eating pizza, come in, yell at me. And then I look back and go, I'm, I'm just eating pizza. Hey, don't argue with me. 
I, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're raising your, okay? The redefining truth. The entire situation got redefined. I have to know the truth. And I just remain in the truth and go, okay, I know I'm not starting an argument. I'm just sitting here. I'm not doing this. I'm not going to go down this dumb trail, rabbit trail. You speak the truth. I'm not arguing with you. I'm not raising my voice. Okay? They won't hear the truth. But you can't allow them to redefine the truth for you. You understand? They're not going to hear it. But you have to know the truth, speak the truth, don't let them redefine the truth, but also know full well they won't hear the truth. Um, you do need to spend more time in prayer and look to God and say, God, how can I honor you in this difficult situation? And that is a very difficult thing to do. It's going to take a lot of prayer for you in this, uh, in part because you have to remain humble through this situation. Now, what will happen is this. When you deal with a toxic person, there is a moral imbalance here, correct? Your moral behavior compared to their moral behavior makes you look like Jesus himself, right? Not to them, but to everybody else looks at this and goes, wow, okay? Your friends go, I can't believe you deal with that. I can't believe you deal with it all, these, all this time. And you'll have this sense that because they are so blatantly wrong, it makes the things that you do wrong all of a sudden not look so wrong, okay? You need to remain humble enough to recognize oftentimes I respond toxically to toxic behavior. Oftentimes I do wrong things in the face of that toxic behavior. And I can't whitewash every decision I make and say that it was all okay and it was all good and it was all holy because, after all, look what they did. Or at least it wasn't as bad as, or I was just trying to mitigate. I have to stay humble and recognize I am prone to sin in that situation and I'm not perfect. I have to remain humble in that. But I have to be honest and say, okay, I didn't handle this as well as I could have. At the same time, the results are also large in part due to their extreme toxicity. Does that make sense? If I'd handled this situation this way with anybody else, would we have ended in this place? No. I have to remain humble enough to recognize I'm not making it, doing everything perfect, um, and I'm going to be tempted to sin through this whole situation, but also recognize overall I wouldn't be able to change the outcome anyway. Um, I need to read up on the subject of toxic relationships. So you notice I put up there four books. Um, I have read three of those four books multiple times. Um, the one that I haven't read yet is the Emotionally Destructive Marriage by Leslie Vernick, but it was highly recommended by a couple of the other books that are up there. Um, and I've also read good things about that book in a couple other places. Um, and I'm not married right now or in a destructive marriage, so it's not a, like a really high priority for me right now. But the other ones, I've read all of them. Um, and I've read them multiple times. Um, I would highly encourage you to start reading um, because the only way you're going to develop strategies is more information. You, you have to get more information and inform yourself. Remember, I said, I don't want you to do anything this, this morning. In other words, when I said I don't want you to think, I mean, I don't want you to go out and respond to the toxic person in your life and label them and start treating them as such. Uh, rather, I want you to investigate more. This number one thing I want you to do is go learn. Uh, second of all, I want you to go find a non-biased friend or counselor you can talk to about the situation, preferably more than one. Now, I'm not talking about a hairdresser or a bartender. <laughs> you know, ones who just tell you whatever you want to hear. Oh, yeah, man, my family's bad too. Oh, I bet that's horrible. I bet I'm not talking about that. And I say non-bias. I'm not talking about calling up your sister or, you know, you, well, me and my husband, we both agree that they're toxic. No. You need to find somebody who understands toxic behavior, listens to your situation, and can help you weed out what is or what isn't, uh, what is right and what is wrong, help you redefine what is, or help you, you know, just rediscover what is truth without it being redefined by them. Um, and above all, don't be toxic in return. Don't be toxic in return. Uh, rather, find a way to look for ways to act out of love, whether that leads to a confrontation or you walking away. 
act out of love, whether that leads to a confrontation or walking. Okay. I guess somebody back there has a problem with the message on toxic people. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) If you're listening online, we just lost uh, some of the power in the building for the machines. Um, But don't be toxic return. Easier said than done, right? Um, Sometimes, though, uh, you need to walk away. Uh, Sometimes, though, you need to look at the balance of Scripture for this. Um, On the one hand, Jesus says, um, I am gentle and humble of heart. Other times, though, what's he do when he walks into the temple and he sees the predatory moneylenders and the predatory merchants? He drives them out. On the one hand, he says, turn the other cheek. And some of you are looking like, I'm running out of cheeks. I've used up all four, okay? And and they're, they're, they're still looking for more, right? Elsewhere, Jesus says, if you got some money, you better buy, some, you know, buy something for self-protection with it. Uh, that's over in Luke twenty-two thirty-six. Kind of an odd verse, actually. But he says, hey, listen, they're going to be coming after you, so you better have a way to defend yourself. Uh, sometimes he says, don't call somebody a fool, yet he turns around and calls the Pharisees fools. What's that mean? Well, he says, don't, be, you know, don't do it in a name-calling sense. But when they're coming at you, you've got to be able to recognize foolish behavior. right? Uh, here's another one. So often we think that if I'm going to be Christ-like, I'm just going to allow myself to be whipped and martyred. Okay, let's be clear. Jesus allowed him to be crucified, allowed himself to be crucified how many times? One, right? One, right? One time he allowed himself to be crucified. You know what he did all the rest of the times? He left. Read through the book of John and see how many times they come after him ready to seize him and ready to take hold of him, want to stone him, want to, you know, arrest him. Multiple times they try to do it, but he does not allow them to do it. He slips away. He gets away. He walks out. I remember his, his mother and his brothers come at him, and they want to take him back home because I think he's talking like a crazy guy. Like, oh, we need to take him home with us. Does he go with them? No, he does not go home. Here's a question. Do you think Jesus spent his birthday with his family? It's kind of funny when you think about that question. <laughs> Merry Christmas, right? <laughs> you're not going to come for Christmas? Well, it is my birthday, and no, I am not. I I don't think he spent his birthday with his family, especially when they thought he was a crazy man, right? Um, They tried to redefine who he was. Um, In one sense, it says, uh, they tried to arrest him again, but he escaped from their hands, and he went away across the Jordan. Now, I used to think that, you know, Jerusalem was like right here, and the Jordan River like ran right alongside it. That's 22 miles away, when they tried to get him, he went 22 miles away from them so they couldn't come after him anymore. How far away do you need to get? As far as it takes. As far as it takes. Um, multiple times, he let people walk away from him. Remember the rich young ruler? He didn't want to believe it? Walked away. There was another group that, that tried to manipulate him. Uh, right after Jesus feeds the 5,000 in John chapter 6, this group comes up to him and they're like, oh, you know, that free food yesterday was amazing. We love that. You know, if we got free food every day, we wouldn't have to work. So, hey, Jesus, um, can you do that again? Or was that just like a parlor trick? Uh, he's like, no, nah, that, was, that was just something I did yesterday. Well, you know, you're claiming to be greater than Moses. And if you remember, Moses did this for 40 years straight. So, you know, what you gonna do? And he says, okay, you want something to eat? Fine. You can eat my flesh and drink my blood until it's all consumed. Huh? No. And it says, and many people walked away at that point, which makes sense, right? Just for a moment, in a little while, I'm going to let you guys have the opportunity to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, too. Now, what am I talking about? Communion. That's what communion is all about. Does he explain communion to them? No. He just lets them walk away. Why? Because he's not not engaged in that relationship. 
These people just want to come and use him and not have an actual relationship with him, and he's not going to engage in that. Instead, he just says, basically, leave if you want to leave. As a matter of fact, he even, you know, he says truth to them, but he full-on lets them just walk away because of it. So why am I giving this message? Unfortunately, because it's a necessary one. What I want you to do with it, learn more about it. That's it. I want to be sort of, you know, have you begin a dialogue and begin a conversation with yourself, with some friends, with some books to begin to explore, am I in a toxic relationship? You know, or am I, or, or, or am I in a relationship with a toxic person? The difference between a toxic relationship and a toxic person, uh, I don't want to get into all that right now, but am I in a relationship with a toxic person, whether it be my family, my extended family, or at work? And if so, what are the proper strategies and expectations that I need to use to move forward in this? And what do I need to look back on and say, this is where I've gone wrong, and this is how I've handled it wrong? One of my favorite characters of all time is Charlie Brown. Do you realize Lucy's toxic? <laughs> right? I mean, as much as you might love the cartoons and think she's cute and funny, remember his conversations with her? He has this conversation with her. She goes, she gave me five good reasons. Right? I mean, she makes a fist. He's like, those are five good. That's a toxic person. And what is Charlie Brown known for with Lucy? He's going to kick that ball. <laughs> right? And the mistake he makes is thinking next time is going to be different. But when you recognize, if he could just recognize that she's toxic, he'd quit trying to kick the ball. And the mistake a lot of us make is we keep trying to kick the ball. And we think somehow that that's Christ-like. Did Jesus keep trying to kick the ball? No, he refused to play ball. He refused. He just walked away. He let them walk away. Does that mean that you will actually walk out of some relationships? Yeah, that may mean that. Is that what I'm telling you to do right now? No. No. I'm telling you to think about it because many of you have a relationship with somebody who's toxic. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love. Father, I, I thank you for how complicated the scriptures truly are. Because sometimes we, we want to oversimplify things and just think that the, in the Christian thing is to always show love and always show grace and always turn another cheek. And we overlook the depth and the complexity of life in the way that you've displayed it in, this, in the Gospels especially. That there were times, Jesus, you didn't turn the other cheek but you walked away. There were times you didn't turn the other cheek, but you defended those who were powerless and couldn't speak up for themselves. Father, help us just to jump into the complexity of life in the way that it's addressed through Scripture in a much deeper way. We might allow you to determine what is Christ-like and not listen to the voices of toxic people. that throughout the year and especially during this holiday season, Father, we might find a way to truly honor you, to know what is true, to be able to respond accordingly, knowing full well that it is not possible to have a healthy, non-difficult interaction with a toxic person. 
So Father, give us wisdom and help us know where to find wisdom. Help us seek out your counsel and the counsel of those who've gone before us, who have learned, who have read, who've studied, and know you well. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.